0: But before he preached, I would like to give you some background a little bit to prepare your heart to hear this message. I would like to read from Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I remember I was growing up as a Buddhist, worshipping idols. I was a very selfish man. I was very arrogant, very self centered, very prideful. A lot of problems in my life before I turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. But one day, somebody shared with me the gospel, encouraged me to read the Bible. And present Jesus to me. When I read this scripture, I realized that Jesus, the son of the living God, loves me even before I came to know him. He died for me before I repent of my sin and turn around. I was so touched by the love of God. The Bible says God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I was so touched by the love of God, and one day I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was a very worldly man, full of the worldly thinking and worldly lifestyle before I came to know Jesus. And when I first became a believer, a new believer, I did not change overnight. I still had a lot of problems with my behaviors and attitudes and motive and how I live. But as years go by for now 30-something years, little by little, by the power of the Word that renew my mind, by the power of the file of God that cleansed me and kicked demon out of me, Little by little, I used to put spell on my back, I used to worship idols, so I, ha- I had a lot of demons inside of me. And I have a lot of generational curses from my parents and great-grandparents. My great-grandfather has many wives, and again, come down, the sexual immorality, all this stuff came down to me to s- through generational curses of what we call family spirits. So when I was a new believer, I had a lot of problems in my life. But by the grace of God, I continue to follow Him, go to church every Sunday. I continue to read the Bible, growing, repenting, changing, day by day, year by year, to come to this point. And at this point, I am not perfect yet. I still have some sinful nature inside of me that I still need to change and repent until I become like Jesus. I just want to give you the background a little bit here so you understand that this preaching is not to condemn anybody. I would like to make a few statements before Pastor Tyson preached. Number one, all men in the world have sinful nature in certain way and have weaknesses in certain way. Some people have weaknesses in lying. Some people have weaknesses in loving money. Some pornography, some addiction. Everybody in this earth has some problem. Has some problem, okay? But we came to know Jesus and by His grace and His blood, His grace and His blood cover our sin and we still follow Him and learning and growing. So, that is the fact of life. Every person in the world has some sinful nature and weaknesses. Number two, we need to understand that as a believer, God commands us not to point finger to condemn anybody and to judge anybody. We don't have the right to judge anybody and to condemn anybody. That's number two. So I believe when we hear this message, you will not take it as a judging or condemning anybody. Number three, the Lord tells us to love people. We love people, we love the world. So, this message is to love people. We don't judge people. When we say love, how many people are parents in this room? Raise your hand up. Do you love your children? When you love your children, it doesn't mean that you will agree with everything they do. When they do wrong, you need to correct them, you need to tell them the truth. Because if you don't tell them the truth, they may get into trouble. So then you need to tell them the truth because you love them. Speaking the truth doesn't mean judging, but actually it's a sign of love. That's number three. Number four, we need to understand that in order to become a Christian, or in order to be saved, we need to have the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. What it means is that He is the Lord And we need to agree with Him. If He is Lord, we agree with what He say. Period. If we argue with Him and rebel against Him, He's not our Lord anymore. We are our own Lord. So as a believer, we have Jesus as our Lord, so it means whatever He say, we agree. The basic of Christian life is this. Let me make a conclusion. Every single day, we make a decision, I agree with God. Everything he say, I agree. And if I cannot do it now, I would do my best to depend on the Holy Spirit. That's why we call walking in the Spirit. To be able to do what he say, we agree, but we cannot do it overnight because we're still living in the flesh, in the body. But we agree to do what he say. As a believer, we need to agree with what he say in this book. Okay, we don't argue with this book, period. And don't try to give excuses and all kind of human reasoning to argue with this book, period. I agree. Yes, Lord. That's it, okay? The fifth principle that I want to lay down foundation before Pastor Tyson preached. The fifth principle is this. We reap what we sow. Even though God loved us, but He gave us freedom of choice, that's why the Bible says, choose now life or death. Choose now blessing or cursing. What it means is that whatever we choose to do, it will bring something back to us, either life or death, destruction or blessing or cursing or problems. God will not never force us to do anything. We have to make our own decision to agree and do it. That's how it works. We are not robot. So, I decided to become a godly man and fear God and do what is right because, number one, I love myself. The Bible says sin causes corruption. As a doctor, I'm, I, it's so clear to me. I mean, because I have a medical background, when I see people smoke, and I tell my patient to stop smoking because I see every time they smoke, I see the cell in the lung turn into cancer. After a while, they die sooner than others. Or I tell my patients all the time, don't eat too much. Be careful with your eating because scientifically, when you gain too much weight, your lifespan will be shorter than people who have less weight. That's how it works. And this is a scientific fact. So if we obey and do the right thing, we will preserve ourselves. But if we rebel and do our own thing, we pay the price later on. That's why sin leads to, coru- to corruption. And not only that, not only that, that, I love myself. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my grandchildren. I know that if I do wrong, it's going to pass into my next generation, into my wife. My wife going to be affected. My kids going to be affected. My grandchildren going to be affected. So I'm very careful of how I live because I love them too much. So much, you see, whatever you do, you're going to get affected, no matter what. If you do the right thing, you get blessed. If you do the wrong thing, you're going to get a problem later on. And don't blame God. So the message that he's going to preach today is about what the Bible says about a very sensitive subject. And I don't want people to hear this and think that our church has a spirit of condemnation or point finger or Discriminate or push this kind of thing out of our church. In fact, in the afternoon service, we have some of this group of people who came and they still love God and they serve God and they come and get touched by God. In Thailand, I have so many people who got touched by the fire and get healed by the power of the Holy Spirit and now they get married. And they're going to have kids, and they, I, have one, I know one man in Austin, Texas, who came from this background, and now he's married with three kids, and doing well, because God can set the captive free. But the, the important thing is that we must agree with God what is right and what is wrong, and the rest God will help and do for you. Amen? So, Pastor Tyson, could you please give the message?
1: Morning, everyone. Today, yeah, we will talk about uh, homosexuality, and this is not something that we are going to speak about very frequently in our church, but something that we need to talk about now. And I hope that you uh, pay attention and you know take notes. Because again, we're not going to be talking about it every week. Um. <clears throat> so, as you know, the you know U.S. Supreme Court they ruled that homosexual marriage is legal throughout the the entire nation, and also our culture. Has embraced homosexuality as uh, a good a good thing. Homosexual practice as a good thing. It's very clear in you know on TV and in the newspapers and what you hear about at work and at school that homosexual practice is is um, is a good thing. So that's why we need to uh, address it today. And actually. Um, You know, we have, in our church, we probably, definitely we should have addressed it earlier and not waiting until now. So that we all know and we don't have questions about how to, um, how we should think and how we should respond. Um. Let me urge you, if you are, you know, listening to the audio um, or watching the video later, to listen to the whole message and keep your mind open to what uh, I believe that the Bible says. First off, let's look at how Jesus saw marriage. So, When somebody came to him with a question about marriage, in Matthew chapter 19, he cited Genesis chapter 1. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So the way that Jesus understood marriage, he understood it in the context of Genesis chapter 1. That God made male and female and that they would be united and become one flesh. And the Bible says that this marriage between man and woman is the only lawful context for uh, sexual marriage relationship. and But there are a lot of, uh, you know, because of our sinful nature, we desire to have sexual relationships outside of this marriage context. So fornication, having sex before you're married or, or if you're not married. Adultery. Having sex with someone who is not your spouse. And also homosexual practice, where it's not between a man and a woman, but between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. All these the Bible describes as sexual immorality. Because it's outside of the way that God has prescribed for, for a sexual relationship. The ideal that God lays forward is that a man and one a woman will come together and they will uniquely complement each other but more than that that every child will have the father and mother that love each other and this is the ideal and unfortunately in in our world it's uh it only happens some of the time because either the parents split up or there's, you know, some other things or, um, you know, this ideal doesn't happen all the time. But nonetheless, is here in the Bible that God desires a man and a woman to come together and to form a family and so that the children, they have the mother and father that love one another. again, like Pastor Lau mentioned, we all have a sinful nature. Uh, In Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it says, because of this, because of people turning away from God, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, The men also abandoned natural relations with women and so were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful sexual acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. So the Bible is very clear that homosexual practice, along with all other sexual immorality, is sin. And we cannot compromise. We are not left to choose what part of the Bible we will obey and what part of the Bible we will not. It is not our... We don't have the privilege of interpreting the Bible to fit the way that we would like to read it. We cannot say that well this is uncomfortable so I will leave this part out or that I will interpret it away that it makes it okay. You know we must think about the author's intent the person that God used to write that book we also must think about the way that the original recipients of that text the way that they understood that book and without a doubt it's, to me, it's very clear, not because I want it to be this way, but as me objectively reading what the Bible says, that homosexual practice is a sin. So it's not our choice to make. We can't choose what we want to believe or what we want to think about this. We must receive what has been given to us. So the, the question is, if homosexuality is a sin according to the Bible, and two, if, if our culture embraces homosexual practice as a good, then how should we respond? What should be our response? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter six, verse nine through 11. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual, sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with other, with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were but you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So this issue is actually addressed in the Bible because we see that some people in the church of Corinth were, they were practicing homosexuality. But Paul says that when they came to know Jesus, they were changed. They were washed and made holy because Jesus died for their sins. Because that's why Jesus came. He came to change all of us, regardless of what sin we were in, because we were all in sin. It's the same for everyone. What Jesus did applies the same for everyone. There are no special sins. There are no special sins. If you, I, I, I am quite certain that there are some of us here in our fellowship that maybe in the past or even right now, we were tempted by homosexual desires. And let me assure you that God loves you very much, just the same as anyone else. And that if you used to struggle with that or if you are struggling with that now, there is nothing that puts you beyond the pale or puts you outside of God's love. But realize that you are struggling with this because of you have a broken, sinful nature, which we all have. And all of us have to learn to say no to sinful desires and to say yes to the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter if we are tempted to, as a guy, if I'm t- as a married man, if I'm tempted to look at another woman in a lustful way, that's also a sin. I need to say no to my fleshly desires and say yes to the Spirit of God. But. We need to understand that uh, for our brothers and sisters who are struggling with this, they are under even more pressure because of what the culture teaches. That the culture teaches it's fine. You can go along with it. It's okay. This is the way you were meant meant to live. Let's look at Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So all of us, we shouldn't just go along with what the culture says is okay. If the culture says, Oh, it's fine for you to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend or live together before you're married. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the Spirit of God. You need to learn to say no to your fleshly desires and say yes to what the Holy Spirit says. If you have struggling with homosexual desires, you can say no to the devil, to t- t- temptation. Resist him. That's what you should do. Don't be conformed. I know this is difficult because the culture, everything teaches that you should just be, do whatever you feel like you should do, that you should want to do. Nothing's wrong. What does this mean for the rest of us who maybe we don't have this struggle? What should we do? I think we should do something also. The Bible says that we are to encourage the timid, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, through one and 2, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So we cannot say, that's your burden. You carry it. You've fallen. I'm going to kick you. No, we cannot have that attitude. But the law of Christ means that we need to carry our brothers and sisters' burdens and we need to restore them gently. So how can, how can we help people who are weak in this regard? What can we do? One thing that we can do is we can be more open about our own struggles and weaknesses. And also... Uh, I think we need to change our mind and our culture a little bit because uh, most of us come from a middle-class background. Middle-class. By middle-class, it means that you work hard, you earn the paycheck, you pay your own bills, you deal with your own problems yourself, You don't impose on other people, and other people take care of their own problems. We are very self-sufficient in that regard, and and when we come to church, it's like my problems are my problems. I'm going to deal with it. I'm responsible. I'm not going to let you know that I'm dealing with problems, going through problems, and you, on the other hand, if you share your problems with me, then I'm going to get wide-eyed, And like, why are you sharing this with me? That's a very middle class mindset. And it works fine as long as everybody here is from the middle class. We have the same mindset. But it doesn't work so well when people come from other backgrounds. And I believe that God wants to use our church to reach all of the Seattle area, not just the people from the middle class. This means people who are homeless, who come from backgrounds with addiction, who are struggling in many other areas. And they can't hide it because it's obvious. And they won't fit in here. If we keep relating to them in our middle class ways. Where I'm fine, everything's fine, aren't you fine? They won't fit in. And this is a challenge for me as well. But I'm just telling you, this is what I observe, how I think it will work. We need to be more open with our own struggles and challenges. It's okay to share with people. Maybe you're not going through something now, but you used to. You used to struggle with this or that. I want us to be more open. Let's, let's be more open so that people know that we are not perfect, but that God is working in us and he's helping us. I hope that you have this type of atmosphere in your care group especially. Because the care group is a place where people can be more open. Remember, we are here to carry one another's burdens. Not you carry your burden, I carry my burden. Paul, he even wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 29 and 30. He said, Who is weak? and I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast about the things that show my weakness. Paul was not afraid about talking about his weaknesses. He even said he inwardly burned, and he uses the same, the Greek word is the same inwardly burning as when he Uh, recommends that people, it's better for them to get married than to inwardly burn. Meaning that he's talking about uh, sexual temptation, I believe. That, That he was sexually tempted. It doesn't mean that he gave in, but that he was tempted also. We all have a sinful nature. All of us. And I think we can do a better job of I'm, this, I'm including myself a better job of letting people know that, hey, we are all broken, but God is mending us, He is strengthening us, He's making us whole, and we don't judge you if you're struggling, but we're here to help you. Also, one thing that we, we can do is we can let people know that, hey, I'm available if you need someone to be accountable to or someone to talk through your struggles, I am available for you. So actually now I I had an idea that actually now is a great time. If you feel a burden that you want to help your brothers and sisters who might be struggling in this area, can you please stand up? Just stand up right now. If you feel that I want to be someone who, if somebody else is struggling with uh, homosexual desires, that they can come and they can talk to me and I will keep their confidence and that I won't judge them and that they can share their struggle with me. I think it's important that that we, you know, let, let this be known. So I saw uh, Nisa is a youth leader, also Pastor Caesar in the back. And Peter, thank you. I think, Mike, you, you were already standing, but you you put yourself out there. Thank you. So if you, I, I think that there are, probably are people who are like this, you may be seated, that you might be struggling in this area. If you know any of these people, you can approach them at a different time. And you can have assurance and and confidence that they're not going to judge you and they're not going to share around with, with other people who don't need to know, but they're going to be there for you and help you and pray with you. And we need to do more of this in our church because we can't have the attitude that homosexuality is a sin, period. Period. And we won't lift a finger to help you who are struggling. Not when the world has its arms wide open saying, come, give in, just live this way, it's fine. If we do this, we're going to lose more and more people. They say, I don't want to be in the church. I can't share what I'm going through with them. I may as well just go out into the world and they accept me. We need to be say, hey, this is a place where we support you where we love you, and we can help you. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus, his outreach, his ministry to sinners was in such a way that they didn't even whiff the smell of condemnation or a finger pointing when they came into the the presence of Jesus, they just felt his love, that he loved them. And Jesus never condoned sin or said it was okay. He never said it was okay. But yet, people even criticized him and they called him a friend of sinners. They used that as a slur, but I think... Jesus said, yeah, it's true. I'm a friend of sinners. So we need to have that same attitude. When people come into our fellowship, they need to feel that they're coming into the presence of Jesus. This needs to be a place that was just like Matthew's house after Jesus called him. In Matthew's house, there were tax collectors and all other kinds of sinners. And people criticized Jesus. They said, How can you eat with these people? And Jesus said, It's not the sick, I mean, not the healthy that need a doctor. This is a hospital. We should be asking the sick to come here so Jesus can heal them. He is the doctor. We shouldn't be surprised when sick people come to the hospital. Can you imagine somebody with head trauma or bleeding, you know, they come into the hospital, the nurses are like looking at them, what are you doing here? (laughs) That would be terrible. But rather they're, oh, come in, we're going to get you fixed up. So brothers and sisters, I mean, we have to be careful. We have to be ready, sincere with God, because when we say yes to God, he's going to bring it to us. Are we ready to welcome broken people into our fellowship? Are we ready? Good. Amen. What about so when, when people who are struggling with homosexual desire. On the one hand, they have the world saying, hey, come, come, join us. You can live and just follow whatever you feel. And on the other hand, once they come into our church, eventually, they're going to meet Jesus. And Jesus is going to say to them, come. Follow me. And whenever he says that to someone, it's a big thing because they have to decide whether they're going to hold on to something that was important to them or whether they're going to let that thing go and follow Jesus. This is a tremendous challenge. I want you just to imagine and put yourself in the shoes of that person who is struggling. It's a tremendous challenge. When the young rich man came to Jesus and said, Master, I want to follow you. And Jesus answered him, First go sell all that you possess and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. It was so sad because that man walked away. He walked away because it was too difficult. People that are struggling with homosexual desires, it's going to be difficult, especially if they've been living in that lifestyle. It's going to be difficult for them to give it up. It's going to be a challenge for them to hear that call from Jesus and, and decide. We can't add to that challenge. We can't add to that barrier. We can't, because of our prejudice or our hang-ups or our uncomfortableness about certain things, we add to that barrier and make it that much more difficult. Sure, some people may say no, they would have said no anyway. But let's not make it be because of us. Okay? Let's not make it because of us. I want to, we read from Romans chapter 1, verse 26 to 28, something like that, where it's talking about homosexuality as a sin. But... Very soon after Paul wrote that, then he wrote Romans chapter 2. And in verse 3 and 4, he says So when you mean talking to believers, a mere human being pass judgment on them, and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches? of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So whenever we read Romans chapter 1, we also need to read Romans chapter 2 because it reminds us about God's kindness, his forbearance, and his patience. And I want to talk about these three things quickly. Kindness means that God had mercy on us. He had kindness on us. He showed concern for us. When Jesus told the parable about the lost sheep, he wasn't talking about the the really good people and all those people who are already in the pen. He was talking about the lost sheep. The lost sheep. That one. That one out of a hundred The worst one who wandered away and was suffering and afflicted because of their own sin. He showed kindness. God showed kindness to to us. He was willing to sacrifice because of his kindness. His forbearance or tolerance is the second thing. Forbearance or tolerance. God was tolerant of our behavior. He did not excuse it, but he tolerated it. It means that he did not react immediately, but he was tolerant. He tolerated our sin. There will come a time, Jesus will come back one day and he will come to judge. But in John chapter 3, right after he says, for God so loved the world, he said, for he did not send his son into the world to judge the world or to condemn the world, but to save it." it. means that now is not the time for judgment. One day he will come back and he will judge. But now he tolerates our sin. He doesn't count it against us. Are we willing to tolerate the bad behavior of people who come into our midst They're messed up. They're rough. They say things they shouldn't say. They act in ways they shouldn't act. Can we tolerate them for the sake of God? Can we tolerate that? We should not approve of homosexual behavior, but we need to tolerate it so that we can lead them to repentance. We don't don't approve of it. We need to tolerate it so that we can lead them to repentance. Patience means that God waited. He waited and waited and waited until we repented. God was patient with us. He sent his Holy Spirit to work in our hearts And soften it up. Our hearts were hardened like dry leather, hardened like a rock. But He sent His Holy Spirit like oil and massaged it until our hearts softened and we repented. Because He was patient with us. Are we willing to be patient with sinners? One of the last things I want to say is that we need to stay focused. When it comes to the issue of homosexuality and people who practice homosexuality, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Because there's a lot of other noise out there. A lot of other noise. People say, oh, we need to worry about religious freedom. Oh, we need to worry about protecting traditional marriage. These things are absolutely important. And I care about them too. But if Jesus was here on earth, those would be of secondary importance to him. His primary purpose, his primary goal was souls. A lot of times we get focused on the kingdom of this world, what's going on in the government of this world, that we lose sight of the fact that Jesus did not come to establish an earthly kingdom in the sense that we think of it. Let's look at John chapter 18, verse 33 through 36. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You see, even in this, in Jesus's time, politics was a very big issue and people actually got confused. They, they confused the issue, and, and even Pilate thought, are you trying to do a, have a, like a political insurrection where you're going to rebel against Rome? Are you calling yourself a king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you misunderstand. My kingdom is not of this world. I didn't come to establish an earthly kingdom or government where everybody has to follow The things that I say. No, I came to establish the heavenly kingdom. One day his earthly government will be here. But it's not now. So I don't want you to get distracted. Listen, the church could do a lot of things. We could get involved in a lot of causes and issues. But we need to stay focused on the things that nobody else can do. We need to stay focused on what God has called us to do. That only we can do. And it's very important. What God has called us to do, to reach out and save the lost, lost people. It's very, very important. And nobody else can do this. Nobody else can do it. Look in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 to 20. We're making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is what God God has called the church to do. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Not of telling people that they're wrong or changing laws, but of reconciling people To God. This is our ministry. I want to end. By asking each one of us. To think. What we can start doing. Listen. As I said. We probably won't be preaching about this every week. But it's very important for you to remember. Take seriously. Maybe we lapsed. We should have talked about this earlier. But now we've talked about it. Now let's get started. The time is urgent. We can't wait. God has called us to this thing now. If we have gay friends or co-workers, can we start praying for them? Because when you pray for somebody, what happens? You don't necessarily change God's mind. God already knows what he thinks about something. But when you pray, you change your own heart. So let's start praying for them. I will do this as well. If we have gay friends or coworkers, let's start praying for them. Because when we pray for them, it changes our heart for them. And also, when we meet them, they can see it in your eye that you care about them. Because you've been praying about them. You don't have to tell them you've been praying about them. I've been praying about you every day. (laughs) No, you just pray for them. And then when you see them, you're like, hello. And they can see it in your eye that you care about them. If you are a student, can you be a friend to your classmates who say that they are gay, can you befriend them, not judge them? Just show kindness to them. It's pretty likely that they've gone through, and they might be going through some uh, you know, pretty tough issues that a lot of people don't understand. Can you be friends with them? Listen to them, I said, "I know this isn't easy in a natural sense, a lot of these people, who especially those that say i'm gay and they yeah, in a natural sense, they might seem like lost causes, but God can do anything, and we already read in was it 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that Paul, he said, some of you were that way. That's what you used to be, but you were changed. And look at Paul. Paul was one who persecuted the church, but God turned him around. Nothing is impossible for God. We shouldn't write anyone off. Don't write anyone off. If someone comes into our fellowship who is obviously gay, will you welcome him or her without judging them? Can you just first let them know that this is a safe place where they can come and they won't be judged? I already told you that eventually Jesus himself is going to ask them, will you follow me? But for now, let's remember that his kindness leads us to, re- to repentance. And he shows kindness through us. Brothers and sisters, I, I am encouraged by seeing how you've responded. I think all of us, we recognize that God loves all people, especially, especially the lost ones. He, he has a special heart. For, for, the, for the lost. Thank you for being willing to be used by God. And I believe that God will use us. He is going to use us. Listen, let's rejoice as we see people come in and see God changing them. Okay? Let's rejoice. And we are in this together. Okay, God has given us this ministry. It's crucial to do right at this time. Okay, I will maybe invite Pastor Lau to come up.
0: Thank you, <clears throat> Thank you Pastor Tyson. Again, I want to say that our church, at the attitude is not to condemn or to judge anybody, or to say that we are better than anybody. We all struggle with certain sin, but if we don't yield to sin, we don't commit sin. We, have all, tem- we all have temptations. I want to give you some of my uh, experiences and uh, my thoughts about this quickly to give you the hope. Um, in Thailand, because I minister to a lot of Thai people in Thailand, three times a year, big revival meeting, and all kinds of people came. In fact, in Thailand, there are a lot of homosexual practices everywhere and very well accepted, not legally, but people accept that it's okay. So a lot of people show up in our meetings, and we never condemn, we never push them away, we love them, they come in. I got a few reports that uh, people got totally healed from this practice totally healed. One man, I know personally, and I have a testimony in Thai, but I could not show it to you because he spoke Thai. He gave testimony for 20 minutes on the YouTube internet, and I put it in the internet. This man has strong homosexual practice, I mean lifestyle, and one day he got converted by his friend. His friend kept ministering to him in love and eventually he showed up in a World revival meeting for all together about three years. Every meeting I came, he came. When I went to Thailand, he came. And I prayed, the Father of God touched him. He went back home, he prayed again and the Father of God cleansed him and eventually he became totally free. He now married a woman And both of them are pastors in northeast of Thailand, preaching the gospel. And the church is growing so fast because God's power showed that he is so real. I want to encourage all of you. I am in public a lot because I'm a doctor. So in my office, I met a lot of patients who sometimes came in, a, a man and a man who are married, a woman and a woman who married. I never show even one bit for my eyes contact or my body language. They all know I'm a Christian pastor. They all google me before they came. Everyone google me. Who they know who I am. I never show even one bit of discrimination or judging. I love them. I look at their eyes with love. Because the only way to lead people to God is the goodness of God, not judging. Okay? Now, let me explain to you spiritual point of view a little bit before we eat lunch together. This is my own understanding from the Bible and from my experiences because I grew up in Buddhist world with a lot of demons and with a lot of the spiritual thing than America. My belief is this. Many, many sins in the world that go deep down root in people's life are related to demons people say that they were born as a gay. They were born with that tendency since they came out from the mother's womb. Yes, medically, scientifically, they spoke correctly. They were born with the tendency to have gay uh, or lesbian practice. And I don't condemn them, but spiritually, as a pastor who studied the Bible and experienced God a lot in the past 30 years, I believe that homosexuality and sometimes any other sexual immorality are related to demons. Sometimes parents worship idol, parents commit sin, demon come in the womb to get into that baby already. The sexual immorality, demon get into the womb and the baby born with demons already inside. And that demon control the that kid to grow up to have the homosexual tendency, I, we don't blame them. They are the product of sin of their parents and grandparents and idol worship and all kind of stuff before they were born. So as a Christian, we need to have a spiritual eye to see that we are not dealing with people. We're dealing with spirit. Yeah. Our church has more hope than many, many other churches that don't even believe in the file of God. We can cast out demons. We can move in the fire. Actually, in the afternoon service that you don't show up here, afternoon service, we have sometimes people show up that already have surgery to change to be a woman. And I invite her or him to sit and eat dinner with me. I never reject him or her. Are you going to call him or her? I don't know. But he already, he already have a surgery change to be a woman. We have some people who came and express I'm homosexual and got saved, got touched by the fire, changed little by little. We never reject anybody because there is always hope and possible healing and deliverance for people in the Holy Spirit. Our our job is to bring them to Jesus, bring them to the Word, no judgment, no condemnation, and let the Holy Spirit help them. So we have big hope because we have the power of the Holy Spirit and we already proved it in Thailand that people get delivered. Amen? So when you look at these people, don't look at them as, oh, you are. No. This is spiritual thing. There's something behind them. But they need to come to know Jesus first and learn the truth. And then after they come to the prayer line, cast demon out of them, little by little. And they will be set free. Amen? Lead them to Christ. Lead them to the outer call then they will be set free. Amen? Hallelujah. Let me read one scripture before we eat lunch together. In the book of Deuteronomy, a lot of things we do here, we follow the Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 3 to 7, And you shall destroy the altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the calf images of their gods and destroy their names from the place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things, but you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place. And there you shall go, and there you shall take your burnt offerings your sacrifices, your tithes, the heave offerings of your hand, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand and you and your household in which the Lord your God has blessed you. My dear brother and sister, we come to church on Sunday to celebrate. We bring the voice to worship Him, finances to give to Him. We bring our energy to serve Him here, greeting guests and greeting new believers and serve one another. We come to offer something to Him in the place He choose. God chose this building in Bellevue for us to come and worship God. And after we give to Him, He say, celebrate, rejoice in the presence of God and eat together. You know, God wants us to enjoy the fellowship. When we eat lunch together, we can testify to each other how God is good to us. And let's celebrate the presence of God together, not just only in worship, but we celebrate in fellowship and until God is good. Let's smile when we eat together. Let's be happy. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone say, let us, let us celebrate. Let us rejoice in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for talking to your church, Lord, presenting the truth. Help us to have the right spirit. Give us the wisdom, the anointing to be able to help those people out there who... Still struggle with certain sins in their life, not just only homosexuality, other sexual immoralities, addiction, or other things like lying, corruption, loving money, selfishness, all kinds of sin out there, Lord. And we also, Lord, struggle with certain sin as well. Lord, therefore we will not judge anybody, but we will love and help each other carry each other burdens in Uh, gentleness, and with understanding, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be the place that we can reach out to the society, the broken, the hurting, the sick, the oppressed can come in and be set free, Lord. And we're going to celebrate your presence together right now, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.